Hello, and welcome to episode 50 of My Dog Will Eat My Face. And this week, I wish to share with all of you some events that transpired and some news which came my way with respect to my health and how that is doing. I know that I have before provided brief health updates, mainly for family and friends, but this is something more. I'm not sure what to call it. It is almost a health declaration. for lack of a better word. I don't know what to call it. Where the details of how I'm doing were presented to me based upon some recent lab work. And the short, short version (laughs) is doesn't look pretty for me, sports fans. I am up against the wall. And I sincerely expect me being forced out of the game pretty, pretty soon. So, I wanted to share that with you, which are all objective and true. (laughs) But then I wish to kind of dive into the concept of what do I do now? And just because I said the other item is true, I'm not insinuating this other portion of today's podcast is false. (laughs) Nothing like that at all. It's just perhaps more subjective and more of handling of the consequence or consequences of what I'm currently faced with. I will likely need some help to talk that out because I am honestly utterly stumped as to what to do next. So, without further ado, sorry for the long pause there, (laughs) I will proceed here shortly with the description of what exactly transpired and what news came my way, and we will then take things from there. So, 
Hang on to your butts. We're about to go through a lot of information at a pretty rapid pace here in the next segment. So, what was the news? What was the foreboding data that came my way, you may ask? Well, sometime last week I had a copious amount of blood work done, which is rather anomalous for hospice. Hospice normally doesn't do any sort of blood work. (laughs) And I think I found the reason why. (laughs) Uh, I did this through my cardiologist at another hospital. Uh, Just kind of on my own accord. As a sort of a one-off. Frankly, I don't even know if it's going to be covered by Medicare because it was done outside the venue of hospice care, which I'm currently in. And the way Medicare is structured is you cannot pursue treatment while you are in hospice at the same time. It's one or the other. You're either in hospice care or you're in treatment. So the philosophy of hospice is just to maintain your comfort uh, in your last days of life. It is given up on any treatment options for you. So, for example, one of the things I looked at was my kidney function. In this, again, this is in this blood work that I had done. Now, normally in the course of any sort of treatment, if you're taking diuretics, kidney function is frequently checked under treatment because diuretics are indeed so hard on the kidneys that they usually need to do blood work just to check the kidneys at least once per day. At least, sometimes more. So it's unusual, (laughs) needless to say, to do just a one-off blood work checking the kidneys on my own accord and I sure hope that Medicare pays for it (laughs) but they might not they might come back to me and say this is outside the venue of hospice you did this on your own sorry buddy we're not going to pay for it or they might say yeah labs are covered this seems to be like just a one off deal it's not really related to any treatment per se therefore we will cover it so hopefully they say the latter anyway (laughs) that's some of the nuanced approach you have to have 
with hospice and treatment and the difference between the two when when you're in one group or the other you're never in both you're not allowed to be in both and that's just the way it is so this lab work I just did as a one-off sort of thing and that being said I did a pretty broad range in concert with my cardiologist and tested a lot of different topics. The long story short, the the short version (laughs) of what was found is that everything came back as extremely negative. Not just negative, but ferociously negative. I had done some blood work also probably several months ago to compare to, and the blood work reflected recently over what was done previously also shows a very severe swing for the worst in terms of all my possible indicators. And I'm I'm truly not exaggerating when it seems like almost everything came back as severely worse. Because it did. And I'll give you a summary of what came back worse now. I already mentioned kidneys. When you take diuretics, it damages the kidneys. It's just part and parcel of the game. And I take an elephant load of diuretics. (laughs) Uh, That basically have firebombed my kidneys to oblivion. (coughs) Excuse me. At this point, I'm suffering from severe kidney damage as a consequence of those diuretics. And I am a breath away from kidney failure. Now, even though I am on that elephant load of diuretics, I am still retaining water. That is, the diuretics are not working as well as they should be or not at all. We're not sure which, frankly. But they're certainly not working to some extent because even in spite of the fact that I'm on these diuretics, I have gained a tremendous amount of water weight and continue to do so and they could see that in the lab work. So I'm damaging my kidneys and that's showing I am not stopping the retention of water and that is also showing. So we've got two negatives right there. 
Another finding was that the damage to my heart itself had just about doubled over the course of the last few months. My heart is extremely weak to begin with. Very, very weak as it's been described to me. And it apparently is even weaker. Twice as much so than what was previously understood. So my heart's function itself has been severely damaged by this disease. And on top of all that, there is really no positive indicators, so to speak, that my body is is somehow adapting or defending itself from the onslaught of the heart failure. There were numerous other components that were tested, and they all pointed towards worsening negative numbers and negative capacities such as potassium which was returned as dangerously low even though I'm on a daily dose of potassium <laughs> it's as though the medications I'm taking to try to prevent damage to my body are just being lost in the wind somewhere so, again, the short version of what is going on is severe damage to my body, more so than what was previously thought. Coming to the conclusion that my life expectancy is likely shorter, much shorter than what was previously thought. When discussing the lab work with, say, nurses at the hospital, they offered up their advice as to what they think I should do. Because I asked them. They weren't stepping out of line, mind you, as some people would immediately become offended that a medical practitioner would dare to say such things. They said them because I asked. So don't go after the medical practitioners. It's, it's my fault. I'm the one that asked them these questions. I asked them, what would you do or what should I do? And the answer from one nurse was very clear. She said, I would take as much morphine as is humanly possible and hug your dog goodbye.
so that sort of exhibits the gravity of these lab tests and the severity of those results that I had received. So alas, I got terrible lab work. So what? A lot of people, I mean, including myself, could say that was expected. I'm in hospice care for crying out loud. What was I expecting? A glowing magical turnaround? No. I wasn't expecting it to be so bad, I guess. But it leaves me with an overwhelming question. And that's, what do I do now? And there's several ways in which I mean that. So I'll probably have to explain just that question a little bit further. The first question is a care question. Do I continue the diuretics? Do I reduce them? Or do I leave them as they are? Because they are doing extensive damage to my kidneys. I think leaving them as they are is out of the question. As bad as I am now, I think going into kidney failure on top of everything would somehow be worse. <laughs> I think that's a correct assessment. So do I just stop taking my diuretics because they don't seem to be working anyway? Or do I continue perhaps with the redacted dose which would still do damage to my kidneys. Just not as much, but would still do damage. Possibly damage leading to kidney failure still. Just less likely. And also opening it to potential of further fluid retention. and suffering from that? Or do I just quit the diuretics altogether and spare my kidneys mercifully to the highest amount, cease taking the damaging medication and come what may with respect to the water retention since I'm retaining water further anyway. That's a decision I'm going to have to make very soon. Probably within a couple of days. And I think the last option of 
continuing diuretics as they are is just not viable. Which leaves me with just those other two options of either stopping the diuretics altogether or taking some reduced form of them. The latter seems to be the more um, measured approach to the problem. But it could still lead to additional kidney damage. So, for example, let's say at my current rate of diuretics, I will reach kidney failure once I hit the number 10, or whatever this is, of damage. And once I hit that number, my kidneys will fail. And on my current dose of diuretics, I'm gaining, let's say, three or so units per dose, leading to kidney failure. So three, six, nine. Obvious by the time I take my fourth dose, I'll be over 10. And bam, my kidneys are in failure. So if I take a reduced dose, let's say it just that just causes an instrument of one in damage. I can maybe at least last a lot longer, but maybe already being on the high dose of diuretics, I'm at three and six, and then at the reduced rate, it's just going to go seven, eight, nine, ten, four doses away from kidney failure. And so being more conservative only gained me one additional dose, and I still got into kidney failure. So that's an example of, of what I'm playing with. And I'm kind of blind to that. I don't know exactly how much damage is being done per dosage because I don't have those numbers. So I have to guess. And, and this is an, an imp impossibly hard problem to solve blind. The only obvious option is just completely ceasing the diuretics altogether, because then you're guaranteed to stop that accumulation against your kidneys. And while, yeah, I might gain more fluid, it might be more worse off for me, it, I'm already getting fluid, so how much more worse off will it be? Just a little bit, dramatically? The problem is by the time I find out, it's too late. So I don't know what to do. And I don't think my doctors will know what to do. They're going to echo the exact same dilemma that I just did to you today. So that's the first question. And I don't have the answer to that. I'm not going to have the answer to that for a little while. 
But when I receive information like that, that I am dying much more quickly than expected, where it's confirmed to me again and again that I'm dying and I should love my dog and hug him goodbye. What do I do then? That's the second question. What do I do then with that day? With the following day? With that weekend? With the rest of that week? And what I mean is, do I just live life like nothing ever happened? Do I just act like I didn't hear that? Do the things I would have done otherwise? Do I do something unique? What would that be? I can't do a lot. So I'm tied up to 16 to 18 liters of oxygen. Continuous flow. I can't physically do a lot. So what do I do today or tomorrow or this weekend or this week with this information in my head? I can freak out, I can panic, I can become an emotional disaster. That doesn't sound like a good idea to anyone, <laughs> much less to the people around me, they don't want that. But I can't ignore this at the same time. What's the appropriate measured response? Do I just cry and then live my day like I would any other day? What would you do if you were given such information and told without a doubt you're dying and eventually your lungs will not be able to handle the edema and the pressure or my heart will fail utterly from the damage being done to it. Or my kidneys will fail on me. Or any one or two or all three may happen at once to kill me. It's like there are three armies marching towards me to crush me. And they're all going to meet up in a perfect pincer maneuver at the same time. And I'm here waiting in the bunker, not knowing what to do in the meantime. Do I strip naked and cover my body in butterscotch in the bathtub and go crazy? <laughs> No, I won't do that. Don't worry. 
I did that last week anyway. <laughs> so the question is, what do I do? I honestly don't know the answer to that question. And that's very uncomfortable. I don't like not being able to answer that question. So I have to consider some options. Maybe not even all of them. At least some of them I can maybe narrow down what not to do. To focus on what to do. Maybe that will give me some sort of direction as to how to handle this information and this seemingly curse of a situation. I think I've already identified that I don't want to do anything too extreme. For example, I don't want to cover myself in butterscotch and lay in the bathtub or anything resembling something so bizarre and extreme. I think I don't want to do that. Another thing so extreme, to be utterly blunt, would be taking my medical aid and assist, uh, uh, medical assistance and death medications, which I have, I have a prescription for, which are essentially death meds that I can take, provided to me by the state of Colorado, and they'll kill me. I'll simply fall asleep in about six minutes, and then die. I don't think I'm anywhere near that extreme yet either. So there, I've eliminated, I don't want to do anything too extreme. One thing I should do that's incredibly boring is make sure my will is updated. I've been meaning to update it. It needs an update. I've got promises made to people on some things I would change, which I have not yet done so. 
And so I should definitely do that. But that's extremely boring housekeeping. But that answers part of my question. Even though it's boring housekeeping, it's important. And so, therefore, I should probably do that. But that's not going to take too long. I need more of an answer than just that. I don't want to do anything that would obviously jeopardize my property or quote-unquote well-being, what's left of it. So again, nothing extreme, and I think that adds nothing stupid to the list. Yet there's nothing dramatic that I can think of that would be helpful in any possible way. These are events totally outside of my control. I can't stop them, I can't slow them, except for with respect to the decision I have to make around the diuretics. All this is happening whether I want it to or not at the rate it's happening that it chooses to happen at. I can't intervene. I'm actually quite lucky. I do have some chance to intervene with the diuretics. But it's negative. <laughs> it's a bad consequence. And so I, it's a mixed bag there. I, I'd serve damned if you do and damned if you don't. And so I don't know yet what I want to do about that. And I think with respect to that, I want to consult with my nurse and my social worker some more. So there, there's a plan. I'm actually feeling better. I have a plan. Consult with my doc, my, well, my doctor, with my nurses, about the options presented before me with respect to the diuretics and the kidneys get their feedback on it and maybe that could help sway me one way or the other with respect to a decision maybe not but it's certainly worth doing it's worth worth a shot and it's a task i do have to do i have to pursue that so that's something i definitely want to pursue and do so good i got a partial answer I got two partial answers. Update the will. And. Update. My diuretic doses. If needed. There. There's two good things that. I need to do. What about the bigger picture?
What about my life? What about my family? What about my loved ones? What about my dog? Well, as I see it, none of those have changed. I'll be damned before I'm going to let some disease change it. That's for sure. Wherever I have a positive relationship, I don't want this disease to step in and ruin it, which is very well known to happen. So I'm going to actively be sure to make sure this disease does not step in and ruin things. What does that mean for me? I'm not going to blow up a family and friends. I'm not going to expect them to magically understand everything immediately. And I'm going to also give them space enough because they're also human beings. They're going to have to process this negative information with respect to someone they love. And the immediate reaction may not be something that I take too kindly to, but I'm going to have to tolerate that unless I want to seek to damage that relationship, and I don't. So that's the other thing. I know to not sort of come after my family and loved ones with a scimitar expecting them to have pristine responses that I would uh, expect them to have. Because this is new to them. This is a whole new world for them too. They have to mentally process this. They're thinking what I'm thinking. What do we do? What do I do? What does this mean for me? They're thinking the same thing. So I have to give them the room and the space to think that. I'm open to collaborating. I'm open to talking to them if they need to talk about it. Of course. Aha! So that's that's a two-part answer. One, to give family and loved ones space and make sure I don't infringe upon that. To let them handle this in the best way they know how. Two, there's nothing stopping me though to at least openly state I'm open for collaboration with them and to coming to an idea of what is best to do as a group instead of as a group of individuals to be open to that to maybe even introduce the dialogue at some point so that's two parts one tolerance of their distance tolerance of their distance of what they need for themselves and two to introduce some sort of dialogue with respect to having a collaboration between what they do and I do together as a team approach in lieu of perhaps an individual approach. And for some people, they might be steadfast upon an individual approach. 
And who am I to blame them for that? I'm a staunch individualist. I can respect that. And I will not get mad if that's the way they go. I'm presenting the option, not the demand. So that right there is telling me what to do differently. Well, I don't know I've done that too differently. I've let my family handle this, I think, as best as they can. I've been demanding at times, granted, when I was kind of losing it. But I think it's important to be sure to let them still have that space to handle this and not blame them for needing that. Because they're just people. So I think that's very important. And I want to introduce the idea of collaboration. And that's a fairly new idea that I'll introduce and throw out there. If it's shot down, it's shot down. It might be shot down by me. I don't know if I'm going to like the idea once I hash it out. (laughs) So... Just to be open to how that interface takes place is key. So I've answered part of that. What do I do with family? I've answered that, I think. I am going to tell them also that I love them and I care for them deeply. And for those I haven't seen lately, I'll tell them I miss them. But I will be arsed if I leave this planet with my family not fully aware of how much I love them. If any one of the ones of the people, not even family, I'm not limited to that. If any of the people whom I truly love on this earth are hurting and hawing when I die, I guess he loves me too. Hmm, I don't know. Then I've utterly failed. I have to be very clear with them that I love them. And I'm going to tell them. But in such a manner that each day might be the very last. That's something we all should be doing. That's something I've been trying to do for a long time. And I have had some limited success with it. But I think it's time to redouble that and make sure that my family and my other loved ones know that I love them. Because this is the time to tell them. Absolutely. So that's another thing that's got to happen. Holy smokes, I've created a list here. <laughs> it's varying in, in, in tasks and, and even types of tasks, but I've created a list of things to do just with that. And it still doesn't feel like enough. I still feel like I'm missing something. 
And I think that's living life. This sort of thing can paralyze you. I didn't sleep one wink last night. That's not good. This is the sort of thing that could destroy a man. Before it gets the chance to. I have to be sure to live my life. I have to be sure to, as the nurse suggested, hug my dog. I'm not going to say goodbye. I'm going to say I love you. And probably introduce some sort of snack. But when it comes to my hobbies, the things that I do on a daily basis, the little things, I better keep doing them. Now they're more important than ever. Because they're my hobbies. When I'm gone, no one else is going to be doing them. I'll guarantee you, once I'm gone, no one's going to be doing my hobbies. Of course, people will be doing the same hobby, but no one's going to be doing my hobbies. I have hobbies that I want to do, specific things. So I better make sure I do those. So again, once I'm dead, ain't no one else going to do them. It's the last chance to give that, that little thing, whatever it is, the reverence, the playtime, the attention, the reading, Whatever the action may be that it deserves. And I should be sure that happens. And I think with all of that, I still still have one goal and that's to fight like hell not to roll up and die And I think with all that, <laughs> I'll have a very busy, very busy schedule.
so in summation I count seven tasks that are now forefront to me in my life at this particular point because of all this negative news one I need to update my will as boring as that is I know I gotta get it done two consult with the medical advisors and my social worker I need to really understand the implications and options that I have before me three give lived loved ones space and time to process all this too they're gonna need it four offer collaboration wherever appropriate and fitting never demand it only offer it five tell loved ones i love them like it's the last day i'll ever see them again something we all should be doing anyway but just now all the more reason to do so for me six live everyday life and live my hobbies and do my things and finally last but certainly not least seven fight like hell don't go down easy why should I I haven't so far there's no reason to do so now so there you have it ladies and gentlemen the best I can do to come up with a planned response to all this negative news if you think I'm missing something by all means get in touch with me and let me know but I'm going to start running with this today and well the very least <laughs> it's nice to keep busy it's really nice to keep busy So as I wind up this week's podcast, I feel a little bit better about having some direction at least with how to respond to the calamitous news that I've 
received. And it's very nice to have some sort of a plan. I'm sure some days I'll perform it much better than others. That goes without saying. But it's comforting to know that here at least before me is a plan that might help me to maximize my time left on this earth in the best way possible. And it's also not a suicide pact. If something in the plan simply doesn't work, I'll change it. (laughs) It's not meant to be a do-or-die scenario. It's merely a plan that is malleable and adjustable. As it's attempted and as reality itself might change. So, I'll have to keep that in mind as well. If any one part's not working, end it or replace it. It's just that simple. I'm not going to be graded on any of this after all. So, I do feel, honestly, I really do feel a sense of some relief that I can develop a plan on how to respond to these events and this news. It's quite strangely liberating, even though you've built a prescriptive plan, you still feel more free than you did before without a plan. Because not knowing what you're doing and just chaos and running into a wall is is no fun. (laughs) And it's certainly not a good way to handle a negative situation. This is the best way I can think of handling a negative situation. And again, I can always change it. I can always change it. So, I hope you, the listeners, got maybe even some limited value yourself out of that little practice. 
perhaps you can build a list like that for yourself for what to do when faced with not necessarily calamity but just an arduous situation or a difficult time it does feel incredibly liberating to have a plan versus just having perhaps some nebulous oh I'll do my best to live my life to the fullest that doesn't mean anything what does that mean to you and that's what you have to really spell out and as I did here I even listed the things that are totally necessary needs to be done but are incredibly unfun (laughs) such as updating the will talk about an arduous situation (laughs) it's very boring but it's got to be done and perhaps your plans will have that perhaps they won't perhaps they'll have more of that perhaps they'll have less I don't know it's all up to you and I think putting that down on paper at least making an attempt and again it doesn't have to be a death pact if you fail at one thing it's not the end of the universe if something's failing you can change it but it feels darn good to have something down on paper that you can at least follow and say I have a plan on how to handle this no matter how bad this is I have a plan and that feels ever so good (laughs) trust me it's a relief it's, it's definitely a relief so thank you listener for sharing that experience with me of drafting some sort of list of things to do and meanings of what's left for me to do with my life with this news again if you think of something that applies here or something even maybe universal I don't know I'd love to know I would love to know. So don't be afraid to get in touch with me. But at the very least, make sure you select follow for this podcast and turn on notifications so you're notified of future podcasts, even bonus podcasts that sometimes crop up as what happened last week we had two podcasts get released on the same day last week on Tuesday well I take that back one Monday and one Tuesday and without notifications you would have been none the wiser you would have been off doing something dreadful like I don't know picking at carcasses on the side of the road 
not knowing what to do with yourself. If only you had a podcast to listen to. But aha, if you had notifications on, you'd know that you did. <laughs> anyway, be sure to turn on notifications. And if you really wish to support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash my dog will eat my face. And don't be afraid to drop a shekel for meager old me who doesn't have much in the way of resources. So any contributing factor will help and will earn you a place on Patreon to where you can give feedback and get immediate access to myself, the creator, and some behind-the-scenes material and content. But most of all, I thank all of you listeners out there for listening to the podcast. It truly means the world to me. I, I love every one of you, and I thank you so much for tuning in and listening to these thoughts that I have to share with you. So thank you very, very much. You're making my life a better place when you tune in. You really are. So thank you. But with that, I will hopefully talk to you next week. And for now, I'll have to just say, Auf Wiedersehen.